Welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us from an undisclosed mobile setup, Glenn Fitzgerald, <laughs> the founder of Mission USA. One, two, three, go. I'm, I'm practicing that my count ends because Jed always does it. And I'm, I'm kind of, it's like an audition, and maybe I get the job. I think that around the uh, the world there are some people who grew up with siblings just just kind of neurostatically just threw a rock, paper, scissors without really knowing what was happening. Right. Just on the go. <laughs> also joining us, said counter inner and also the director of Missionary State Productions, Jed Brewer. Yeah. Um okay, so that was good. <laughs> um Do you have any notes? We've got your headshot. And, um, and your hand shot. And we will definitely <laughs> be in touch if we want to move forward. Uh, so should you. I call you? No, no, we'll call um, you. We'll don't call have you. our phone number, and that's by design. We <laughs> will call you. Uh, thank you for coming out today. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> so should I come back tomorrow for no, the taping? No. Or? Okay. Yeah, no. No, oh, we'll we'll okay. we'll be in touch if we want to move to a next round and Cindy can validate parking. She's in the lobby. Okay, <laughs> next. That's to to parent one of my favorite uh, pieces of uh, sermon feedback, which I did not get, but I overheard. Well, how do you think that went? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I like the idea of us leaving the Glenn's one, two, three, go count, and then polling the podcast audience to see, in your mind's eye, what are the four hosts doing in that moment? Like, are we all jumping into a body of water together, but then at the last moment, we only let Matt go? Like, like what's actually happening in that moment? Name that countdown. Yeah, I like that you meant what were we doing after it? Because I thought you meant like, what are we doing during the countdown? And my thought was, it's 2020. We're doing what everyone's doing, staring in the yeah. middle distance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, I have to declare a relaxing throwback emergency. Oh, my. Oh, it's an emergency. Because, you know, here's the thing. A lot of times in the emergencies, we, we chronicle a, a genre of things we have dubbed Christian nonsense. So that could be Kanye West related. That could be, you know, conspiracy related. That could be, uh, you know, some famous person doing something stupid. All manner of things. That's but, a that's a smorgasbord of content, there, Matthew. Indeed, it is, and no, we love content like no one else. But here's the thing: uh, we kind of have the uh, all the 2020 versions of that have had the uh, the hell world kind of riptide underneath them, where it all. You know, it's all tied into the the main horrible goings-on of our world. But this week, we're going to bring you one or two things that are just nice throwback Christian nonsense. Mm. A reminder oh. that sometimes the classics are still best. That's right. These could have happened anytime. They could have happened in 2020, could have happened in 2003, could have happened in the mid-80s. But we start off with uh, a very classic, which is the Christian protest sign. You can all picture it in your mind. You know, the guy with the, the eight foot tall thing with the not, with the vinyl banner and the, the whatnot written on it. So we, uh, Glenn found, I believe on maybe on Reddit, which is a website I'm not familiar with, but um, Glenn leads me to believe it's uh, mostly Socratic debate. 
that goes on <laughs> over there. Um, so I think he found this, and this is this one's a doozy. Because here's the thing: we all know the genre of the, the science here, and it's you you write a thing, and it's you know who you think's going to hell, and it coincidentally people who disagree with you on things, and you know we all kind of go on. But these people put in a little a little effort in the writing stage, which we all appreciate. They, as sure. Lee pointed out, they did not put in any effort in the design phase because maybe we'll post this on on social if I remember. Um, but we got a real Comic Sans avalanche happening here. <laughs> <laughs> That's concerning. The top is sinners don't go to heaven, all caps, period, which I like to start out with something that says, I don't understand Christian doctrine, even on the most basic level. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not like Je- it's not like Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That doesn't that doesn't what? even sound right. Yeah, it's not like everyone is is a sinner. That's right. not like the, the book says that like several dozen times just so you can't miss it. Who are the ones who need a physician? I can't remember. The healthy, Lee. The very, very healthy. Ah, that's right. That's how the metaphor works. Yup. These modern American translations are getting out of control. When I saw the one with, it is the ones with the platinum insurance who need a doctor. Not those <laughs> with the bronze. Well, now, now, Matt, tell them uh, all the people that are listed as those who, you know, are, are no way going to make it into heaven. Uh, we'll start out easy. This is the only one that doesn't get like a modifier. Gossipers. Sure, absolutely. I'd love to see that dude's Facebook feed, but all the same, I agree, gospel is a sin. There we go. <laughs> uh, then we, we move into a kind of alliteration corner. You've got uh, proud perverts. Mm. But Because sometimes you meet a pervert, and he says, look, I'm a pervert, and I'm proud of it. That's right. That's the thing but I want you hear that all the time, you know, because like, all these have the... modifiers. So if you're like a pervert, but you're pretty chill about it, like you don't lead with that. You don't tell people that's at fine. parties. <laughs> is, that's it, fine. is it possible that the pride and the perversion have nothing to do with each other? You're a pervert, but you're also just kind of an arrogant dude in general. Right. Yeah, like, is it possible that that's what we're dealing with here? We're looking for like, a diagram one would situation. be fine. But if you put both together, the Lord's just like, I think that's a bit much, Terrence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> possible. Possible. Well, we move in the, around the alliteration. We have Hooters Hookers, wow. which okay. again is, I mean, that's that's certainly something. Um, that is also in I, like an orange that looks like it might be the same thing the Hooters like logo is in, which is, that's a level of artistic commitment. How did How you did... know that, Paul? <laughs> Great minds yeah. think alike. <laughs> Set y'all up for that one. Uh, we I'm have... against it. Yeah, I'm against all of it. Cultist. What's Hooters? <laughs> I think it's an owl-themed kind of aviary. It's like a rainforest cafe, yeah. but yeah. oh wow, cool for a, a deciduous forest situation. <laughs> do they do they have a um, a mechatronic bird that comes over and actually feeds me? Like I chews all so. my food for me and then spits it into my mouth. <laughs> That's oh, Harry wow. Hooter. I'd eat to that place right now. So we have that one. We have cultist Catholics. Which I, I mm. like the idea again of that that only account, only applies to people who are in both camps. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's a Venn diagram situation, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh then we go for the the triple score alliteration corner winner. Metrosexual man bun mimbos. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> a couple of things about that. One, 
Has anybody said the phrase metrosexual in like 12 years? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, again, does it have to be the Venn diagram? Do you have to be a metrosexual plus have a man bun plus be a membo? Right. Because that's almost nobody, and that's taking up valuable space on your sign. On your, that you yeah, carry, that's right. You know. Yeah, that's, that is dead yeah. center on the sign. They're very that, against this. That took a lot of space for like six dudes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's prime real estate in your sign that people are going to take pictures of and mock on the internet. You, you know? could have just reduced the font, Glenn, and put their actual names. And I that's think right. it would have yeah. also worked. Yeah. It's about the same space. That's right. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, can, can I get a weigh in on this? Because I'm a little worried. You know, I, I wear my hair pretty long and, and I'm a little lazy about going to get it cut. So towards when I'm really overdue for haircut, I've been known to pull it back into something resembling a man bun. Is uh, is one out of three? Is that bad enough that I should be worried? Mm. Well, I think the question is if Almighty God let himself be tortured to death for you, Jed, but you're putting your toe in that water anyway. Yeah, you should probably be scared. Ah, dang it. I knew it. I knew it. Stupid man bun. That's right. Sure. The other thing I like to to the point about the specificity is because. Again, if, if we can't, if you don't, I'm looking at the image. This is dead center, like upper third. This is prime real estate. Did this guy find his wife like watching the Aquaman movie and enjoying it like way too much? Or I'll show you, Linda. What's going on there? Somebody is Jason Momoa somebody's like lock <laughs> screen. <laughs> <laughs> so then we we move through to some just some great hits. We've got feminist witches. Right. Okay. Which sure. I love the idea that there are very traditional witches who only witch in the home. <laughs> yeah, and they're fine. Yeah, that's you cool. could be you could be a big old witch, but you know, sort of believe in traditional uh, male female roles. Sure, a Samantha the, the, the witch. The situation. witches from Hans Christian Andersen are fine. Okay, that's fine. it's the more that's modern fine. witches we have to worry about. <laughs> if you still use the phrase Frigidaire as a witch, yeah. You're okay. Up to and including Bewitched, there. we're all cool, but once things get all hocus-pocusy <laughs> and they have jobs, we're out. Yeah, that's no good. Uh, we've got these, and again, all these that are grouped are in the, kind of grouped together in the same color. Commies and money grubbers. Okay. Which feels like you're saying either anyone who has any economic... Uh, opinions right. on that spectrum or you don't understand what communism is yeah, it's a wide <laughs> net because i would think the capitalism could be defined as money grubbing yeah you're yeah. You're, you're, you're looking at both ends of the spectrum here my man yeah i, well, I like the i like the idea of big Ten hate all right that's for right. a long yeah, time right. we thought about big Ten as the you know, things we accept but i like the idea of just i hate everybody i find a way to reject all people at all times and all seasons that's a hate we can all get behind yeah. Well, wow. to that exact point, we have another, what I would consider odd pairing, though I understand why they went for it poetically, potheads and hotheads. <laughs> uh, this okay. is famously not a group of people that overlaps. Like, <laughs> unless right. I'm missing right. something, aren't hotheads kind of people with a short temper? I believe right. that is the colloquialism, yes. Have you met people on weed? <laughs> <laughs> But look, if you're the kind of guy that smokes weed and is just always flying off the handle, <laughs> still, <laughs> you may want to get a checkup. But you know, uh, you're you're you got real big theological problems. <laughs> yes, you definitely do. 
Uh, then pick we have one, Randall. Pick one. <laughs> That's right. He's the only person this plant affects in this way. <laughs> He's broken like twelve hundred hacky sacks. He just keeps kicking them with all his might. <laughs> I'll show you hacky. We still he haven't just gotten to my favorite one on this sign. But this guy, Randall, just keeps uh, just he keeps breaking his Bob Marley records over his knee. Right. right. That's right. So before we, we close with the big day new mall, which is, is Glenn's favorite, there's two that are just confusing. One is Drunken Fools. Okay. Which, uh, that's the closest thing to something that's in the Bible on this entire list, I guess. Sober fools are fine. Sure. Very serious <laughs> drunks are fine. <laughs> if, you get right. drunk, if you get just shammered and want to discuss Proust, that's cool. <laughs> well, well done. Well Thank done, you. Sir. That was excellent. Um, and, you know... Alphabet Mafia. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that is either. Okay, I have that's a, that's I, a no no for us. What I think it actually means, but first my I my the thing I picture is like kind of Italian American puppets on Sesame Street who teach you about the <laughs> alphabets. <laughs> I, I don't want to know that it's not that Elmo runs afoul of the Alphabet Mafia and learns an important <laughs> lesson, kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I just assumed that the guy's computer. Uh, spell checked Antifa to alphabet. That was <laughs> that would be very good too. Could be. No, then then we we have what we in the business call the big finish. Okay, <laughs> and that is a phrase that I had not no one had ever conceived of until the people made the sign, and now it will never leave us nor any of you after hearing it. So good, twerker berserkers. That's wait, it. what <laughs> twerker berserkers? <laughs> <laughs> your guess is as good as ours on that one folks well look um i i know a little bit about norse history berserkers a real thing yeah yeah and they 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 wore like a you know animal skins we bear skin that's where the name comes from right that's right and um so i'm pretty sure this refers to male scandinavians um, who do a lot of twerking while wearing animal skins. I think that's very good. May, may I take it even further? Please. Please. Okay, so I'm a nerd, and you guys know that I love the Dungeons & Dragons. Okay? Sure, yeah. And so in that, as in most RPGs, you have to have a character class. You could be a, you know, a wizard or a rogue or whatever, right? An aristocrat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Chef. Okay, so one of the standard classes is a barbarian, and then they have like specializations, one of which is a berserker, okay? And the thing about that kind of character is you're supposed to be the first to rush into battle to kind of you know, t- you know make sure that the weaker character is protected. And I love the idea of a twerker berserker. Your thing is you rush in to fight against the trolls and the goblins, but then you twerk to confuse them. And they're all like, whoa, right. what's even going? What is that? What is this dude doing? And that's when all the other characters pounce and they conquer them. You got to make sure that you set up your beatbox before the battle kicks off. So exactly you got right. like a really good beat to twerk to. Exactly. Right. You turn to the bard and you're like, drop that record. And he starts beatboxing. <laughs> yeah. Then you yeah. rush in and start twerking. Basically, the battle's over at that point, bro. Well, so I my understanding is that we do have uh, some some listeners in Scandinavia that right. have sent us uh, you know meat products from there. So that's a that's what I call a devout following right there. Absolutely. 
Um, but we need to know, first of all, is is this like some kind of an epidemic down there? That's indeed uh, a a conundrum. I would like to paint the mental picture of combining both Glenn and Jed's explanations where just kind of a, you know, two Viking battle hordes lined across each other in a misty bog and the largest and scariest that's out in only his bearskin suit stands in front of the line, holds his axe aloft, and just starts going full Cardi B. <laughs> right. You know. William the Conqueror's men are like, we have lost the taste for this fight. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. We are not going to top that. No, that was a, a large Christian bit of nonsense that had nothing to do with anything specific to 2020. And on that note, we will declare emergency off. Made it. That was, in a way, that was that was somewhat relaxing. It really was. It was oddly therapeutic. Just weirdos writing stuff on a sign without any sense of what's actually in the Bible. It's It feels like a, a time-honored tradition. And we will, another time-honored tradition, of course, is the Bridgebox plug. We uh, You can head over to missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Eight, only $8 a month. Check out sermons, song, all sorts of great encouraging stuff over there. You can also, of course, join us every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. over at Facebook.com slash The Bridge Chicago for our Bridge Livecast. If you want to dip your toe in, you can find all of our archived Bridge Livecasts at the Videos tab over Facebook.com slash The Bridge Chicago. We are going to transfer to our first question here. If you hang on this all the way to the end, I use some ways to get in touch with us. Our first question comes in anonymously and says, Okay, so I know that legalism is bad, but how can I explain exactly why legalism is bad to people who are clueless or even just new believers? And it is a really great question. And actually, that's as we've, we've, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this on the show before in regards to other things. Uh, a great kind of self test that they, they kind of talk about in, in education and business is. If you can't explain this to someone who doesn't already know what it means, you don't fully understand it yourself. So thinking of mm. how can I explain this to another person is a great way to do that. And Lee, when we start off with a concept as big and kind of multifaceted as legalism, maybe we would do best to start off with the definition and then move from there. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, it, it it's interesting for me to be the person to kick this off on this podcast because for those of you who are listening to the show who have never actually been to Chicago and experienced the bridge service. Um, they, they uh, invented something really, really cool that I think belongs in every church service, um, which is what I believe you guys called it. The, I don't get it minute. Is that That's right? true? Indeed. Yep. Um, and the, I don't get it minute was a really cool deal where they would take just some word that you would hear a lot if you went to church a bunch, but people don't really break down and define. So one one time when I was at the bridge, they they did an I don't get it minute about the potluck supper and like just the word potluck. And it was like, it's one of those things that you like, surely everybody knows what that means. But Jed would take like 60 seconds to explain this thing that everybody in Christendom thinks they know what it means. But if you're if you showed up at that service and you were completely on the new, then you would have uh, you would have this amazing opportunity to just learn what something means. In, in a moment where everybody's getting it at the, you know, kind of bare bones level. Anyway, that's just my plug for like, 
one of those things that the bridge invented that everybody in every church needs to do all the time. But this would be a great, this would be a great thing to do as well. Um, one of the one of the jobs of people in ministry is to take complicated things and boil them down to the simplest thing that you can understand. Legalism basically means this: when somebody invents rules and says you have to follow these in order to be saved, or you have to do these things in order to be right with God, but they're not the things. So, what the 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 good news of the gospel of Jesus is: Jesus says, "He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life." will not come into judgment, but has already crossed over from death to life, period. Romans chapter 10 says, whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved, period. End of story. But what people on legalism will do is they'll say, yeah, I mean, you need to believe in Jesus. You need to call in the name of the Lord, but you also need to never drink alcohol. They'll just invent a rule. And then they'll say, you have to do that in order to be saved, in order to be right with God. Um, And you could... You could uh, telescope that out to a, a million different possibilities. There's so many things that, that folks on legalism get into. But when you're trying to explain to somebody why legalism is bad or damaging, to me it comes down to this. This, to me, is the heartbeat of it. Legalism makes God less fun and more mean. Come that, on to now. me, is the problem is that legalism makes God less fun and more mean. There's a really important thing that Jesus said in John chapter 10, which is he said, I have come in order that, and by the way, whenever Jesus says something like that, everybody needs to like wake up, pay attention, really, really zoom in and figure out like, what is this dude about to say? If God on earth says, I have come so that everybody needs to like check their hearing, like check the volume on the hearing aid, like let's all really pay attention to this moment. And Jesus said this, that you may have life and have it to the full. That's, that's why I'm here. I want you to have life to the absolute full. I want you to have pleasure. I want you to have joy. I want you to have fulfillment. I want you to have satisfaction. And <clears throat> the problem with folks on legalism is that they are afraid of God's timing. They're afraid of God's methods. They're afraid of, this is a weird thing to say, but it's absolutely true. They're afraid of God's patience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God has a, a timing that he's working on people with. He has a level of patience that he's trying to get people from point A to point B with. God has methods that don't make sense to us. And people on legalism, they say, I want these results right now, and I'm afraid of sin, or I'm afraid of this behavior, or I'm freaked out or offended by this thing, so I'm going to tell people with my influence that you can't be on this and be on the, on the Jesus thing. But the problem with that is, says who? Who are you? Why do you get to make that call? Jesus himself said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God is more fun and God is less mean than anybody on this planet could possibly imagine. If you were to like, I I have, I have a firm belief that, that the moment that I pass away and I see the Lord face to face, I think the first thing that I'm going to feel is, oh man, I should have enjoyed everything a whole lot more than I did. I think he really wants, wanted me to enjoy 
everything a whole lot more than I did. Um, legalism pairs everything in life down to, is it right or is it wrong? But a life with God is so much more subtle than that. It's so much more rich and deep than that. I'm going to let these other brothers kind of break down some of these concepts, but let's start there. Legalism is somebody invents a rule and they say, if you don't follow this, you're not right with God or you're not saved. And the problem with that is it makes a very fun God very unfun, and it makes a very kind God very mean. And that's my biggest problem with legalism. That's an excellent, excellent place to start that off. And Jed, I'd love to get you pickers up here because I love what Lee's saying about, particularly in the context of how would I explain why this is a bad thing to someone who, who's new or doesn't see that? Um, because it, you do have to make that case in a way because, as Lee is saying, if you don't think about it that hard, the idea of really strict rules for someone who doesn't know what they're doing seems like it makes a lot of sense. Um, sure. That's the heart of legalism. But as Lee also pointing, pointing out, I'd love to get you built on this point, it is so contrary to the actual gospel that it cannot be done in a helpful way, right? Totally, totally. I agree with and love everything Lee said. I would rewind and listen to that again. And then I would add, legalism just misses the point. Uh, so think for yeah. a second. Uh, if, if you've got kids, you've probably experienced this your own self. If you don't have kids, you've probably witnessed this. But I want you to think about a toddler at the grocery store in the checkout aisle. And that toddler spots something shiny that's on that kind of quick buy section they've got right at the uh, at the checkout aisle. And that toddler gets obsessed with that shiny thing. I mean, I cannot live in a world in which I don't have that shiny thing. And deep down, we all have an inner toddler. There's no judgment. But I, yeah, I if it's I a Twix, that's going to be me as well, Jed. I just absolutely, absolutely. But but get that image in your head for a second of the toddler who's beheld the Twix wrapper, and it's like, no, this <laughs> is the hill I'm going to die on. It is Twix time, people. That's what's going on. All right. There's a few things that we can note about this. The first is we are not at the grocery store to get you a Twix. That's not why we're here. That's that's not the point. The second is you're like two and a half. I don't think you know what a Twix is. The third is I don't want you to have a Twix and you don't know how to open the wrapper. So if I don't participate in this process, even if you grab it and don't relent, you still won't enjoy the Twix. The next <laughs> is if through some miracle you manage to get it open and devour it, you would feel terrible because a two and a half year old person should not eat two entire Twix bars in one go, which is exactly what you should do. <laughs> you have missed the entire point of why we are going to the grocery store. You're trying to grind this journey to a halt to get something that you don't understand, mm. would not appreciate and would hurt you. And you want to do, you want to have everything else be canceled until we figure out this Twix situation. Now, again, I think we've all seen that. I've seen it many times. If you're a parent, I think you've experienced it many times. But in a weird way, that is what legalism is. Mm. Christianity yeah. is a journey, and we are the toddler pointing to a thing that doesn't have anything to do with us and saying, God, we've got to figure this thing out right now, right? Mm. So the Bible uses Abraham repeatedly as an example of a journey of faith and a story of walking with God. And, and the way the story begins is literally God says to Abraham, leave where you're at. Go on a journey and wind up in this place that I will show you. That is what God says to Abraham. Okay, if Abraham 
it, you know, they're walking along, they're going through a desert. If Abraham suddenly gets super distracted by like this one tree, this is really interesting. You know what we need to do? We need to stop this journey. We need to go. We need to look at this tree. We need to study this tree. We need to think about this tree. What are the spiritual implications of this tree? And the whole time God is trying to say, no, the, the tree has nothing to do with you. We're on a journey. We're going we started one place. We're going to another place. Would you please get back in the car so that we can continue on in this journey that is going from one place to another place? Legalism is that. Legalism is saying, stop everything. I've got to make a pit stop because there's this thing that has nothing to do with the journey that I'm totally obsessed with. Yeah. And that's bad for a lot of reasons. It's bad because, A, the journey is really, really cool. And the destination's really, really cool. And we want to go through that desert and get to that promised land because there's really good stuff there. And if you slow it down needlessly, um, that's that's just no bueno. That's not fun for anyone. That is not good. But the other thing about it is God is not in the business of denying you good things. So if there's a thing that you're trying to be obsessed over and God's like, ah, it's not for you. You don't, you don't need to worry about that. It's not because like there's a hidden thing there. And I think that's what people with legalism so often assume is, you know what, have we really investigated self-denial? Have we really investigated a world in which I just refuse to do things for no reason and then count myself holy? And I think God's answer to that is, we haven't investigated that because it's a terrible idea. But they say, nope, I've beheld the shiny Twix wrapper. I want to do this and only this until we get this situation squared away and I have a Twix in my hands. That's what legalism is to me. I think from that you can probably see why it would not be a good idea and why God would not be in favor of it. He has good things for you, and he doesn't want you to get distracted with stuff that misses the point. Yeah, that was all excellent stuff. And I think on top of the very, very good wisdom there, Jed also just gave us all the great gift of now anytime you see an article or a sermon or whatever from a YouTube video of someone being very legalistic and judgmental, you can just mentally pretend, pretend they're talking about a Twix. Yep. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to make that whole thing go down a lot smoother. And Glenn, these guys have given us a lot of really good stuff. Where would you close us out? Well, I, I completely agree. I, I think the thing about legalism, if you want the sort of a dictionary definition, that would be someone who exalts in a, a following the letter of the law while completely violating the spirit of the law or mm -hmm. or or of the word or, or or of the bible or any of those kind of things and that adds up to immaturity spiritual immaturity as as these fellows are pointing out and it also adds up to bumming everybody out and why don't you not um to me i think the key verse on that that kind of makes that point it is a Titus one fifteen, but the problem is the translation kind of we lose some things that I want to make sure we tease back out of this translation. So it's Titus one fifteen says, To the pure all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. So if you see somebody riding around saying, This is bad, this is bad, I gotta my poster has gotta have a lot of different people listed on it of all there none of these people are pure uh that's that's a person who is corrupted but so when we think of pure and corrupted the problem is in english um the way that's used nowadays we think pure is something that like you never do anything wrong and corrupted is like when you're you know cheating on your taxes or something like that that's you know or you're you're part of a corrupt organization or something like that that's not what either of those definitions 
mean in this in this case so let's look at the original greek so when it the 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 word for pure in the, the original greek is kathara and if you hear that kind of rhyming with the english word catharsis it's the same word and it's the same definition um it's this idea that you have something unhealthy inside of you and then it you got rid of it so a greek physician would say you know Sometimes it, if you eat some bad fish, you'll you'll have a catharsis, and then you'll feel a lot better. You know, you just you, you barf it up, and then you're you, you know it's all right. So it's that idea you're getting rid of something unhealthy, and um, you're having a breakthrough. You're 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 being set free. Uh, you, you just feel like you're you're past this thing that was holding your back you back. Um, so you, you could think of that as being cleansed. If you you know if you had a stain in a shirt and you washed it, it, it would be a very cathartic experience. That you know whatever uh, that kind of uh, uh, image you could apply to this. But so what it's saying is, to those who've had a catharsis, to those who have had a transformation because they got rid of a thing and an idea and a trauma and, and a negativity that was holding them back. To those who've had a catharsis, it's all about the catharsis. Those who have been set free from something holding them back, that's all they want for everybody else is that mm. they are set free and transformed and they had this junk out of their life. But it says, to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. And, and the word there for corrupted is, is just really just the opposite of the idea of catharsis. It's this idea that you uh, are sort of stained by something. You've, you've touched something that's, uh, and, and now you're, you know, it's like you had a Sharpie marker and you got the marker all over you, whatever. And um, you haven't experienced that catharsis. You haven't experienced that cleansing and purging of something negative and dark out of you. For those people, everything is negative and dark. And they're hmm. putting their negative and dark and sort of, uh, sort of stained uh, mindset on everything. Uh, and uh, that verse goes on to say, in fact... For those people, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. And it's the same word there, for it's sort of stained and, and, and dark. And so he's saying, if you've been set free, that's what it's about. That's how, you un- that, that's how you think of Christianity. That's how you think of your walk with the Lord. That's what you want for everybody else. And you see someone who's struggling, and you say, I want for them that they would have that that um, purging and that that yes. cathartic moment, and I can even see how that would happen and what kinds of things they might need to hear that would set them free and make them feel like they don't have to walk in that darkness anymore, and that's what I want to say. So for those who have been set free, oh, everything is about helping other people being set free. That's an excellent, excellent way to put that. I love Everything these guys had to say about legalism is one of the things I will add on the end here. Something that all three of these guys have said over time as we've discussed legalism on the show, which is that the uh, the key lie about that is that legalism is going to keep you safe. Mm, it's going to yeah. be the thing that makes sure you know, um, you know. There's a, a sign that says "Keep five feet away from this ledge." So if I keep ten feet away, I'm twice as safe, and just right. 
nothing bad can happen. And as these guys are pointing out, that is not going to work. And it adds to this underlying idea that the point of living a life with God is to uh, not piss him off and not um, you suffer punishment and consequences, which is really, really going to rob you of all the cool stuff that life with God is supposed to have. Move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously as well, and it says, Thanks for the answers you recently gave on quote-unquote controversial pop songs. And I know you like follow-up questions, so I'm wondering, based on your answers, why do Christians spend so much time commenting on popular culture? Is that really what God wants us to be doing right now? I mean, I'm not going to your church, but if you run, I'm not going to your church if you run down something I like. A fair point, and uh, Jed, I don't know if we've ever talked about this offline for, I don't know, a couple of thousand hours between the four of us, but <laughs> where would we start with the conversation of why do Christians love commenting on pop culture so much? Well, let's start with the bottom line up front, and then we'll unpack it. The bottom line up front is there's nothing better than a sin that I don't struggle with. Yeah, oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. Uh, to put it another way, there's nothing better than a bad thing I'm not tempted towards. That's the best <laughs> thing in the world, dude. That's that's. It's finally something that I can sit in judgment over with complete confidence. How could you, Jed? How indeed? How indeed? There's what no- kind of a person. Exactly. There is nothing better than a sin that I don't struggle with. That's the greatest thing in the world. So now that we've got the bottom line, let's break it down a little bit. So weirdly, we're going to start actually by talking about horror movies, but it's going to come back to your question. A lot of first-time filmmakers, they start with horror movies. Um, like a lot of people do that. And, and here's the reason for it is it's pretty easy to make a movie that's scary. If you want to make a movie that's got a lot of action in it, you need a big budget. Um, if you want to make a movie that's like a very serious drama, you need pretty good actors. Comedies are really hard to make. They're they're just not easy. You need good writing and good actors. But scary movies, actually, you can make with a low budget. You can you can make with maybe not the greatest actors, not a lot of special effects. And the cool thing about it is people feel like they had an experience, right? I mean, that's what makes a movie good is you feel like you had an experience out of it. And so it's relatively easy to give people the experience of being scared. So a lot of first-time directors, they start with scary movies. Hence, there's a lot of horror movies in the world. Okay, now let's turn to church for a second. If you're a new pastor, or maybe you just, you're not really sure what you're doing, kind of similar to a filmmaker, you want people to have an experience on Sunday morning. You want them to feel like, they got to rejoice in things that were good and hate things that are evil, right? I mean, that verse, there's a verse very similar to that literally in the Bible. And so I want them to come and I want them to, to feel, you know, like we're just going to, we're going to talk about things that are good and love them and talk about things that are bad and we're going to hate them. And that's what we'll do. All right. That's not really what church is for in any way, but you can certainly follow the logic of the way that someone who's maybe new to ministry, that's that's the thing we're going to go for, and people will feel like they had a churchy experience, and they'll be glad that they came, and critically, they'll put some money in the bucket, and they'll come back next week. All right. Now, the question is, how am I going to do that? Well, that brings us back to, there's nothing better than a sin that I don't struggle with. If I look out at my congregants, and I say, you know what? I bet none of these people actually listen to hip-hop, 
Therefore, we can talk about how evil this hip-hop song is, and they can all get worked up about how bad it is and how it's destroying the future of America and it's corrupting the children, but none of them will need to feel guilty about it because none of them happen to like that music. So it's great. We won't talk about the country music that all of them listen to that is constantly describing marital infidelity, like Uh constantly, and drunkenness, (laughs) and drug use, and violence. We won't talk about that because they like that. I don't want to bum them out. I want to get them riled up and feeling like they churched it really good. So we'll find a sin they don't struggle with. We'll find a temptation they're not tempted towards, and we'll talk about how bad that thing is. It's basically true and kind of sort of biblical, and they'll like it, and they'll come back next week. And maybe in a future week, sure, we'll talk about something that's actually germane to their lives, like the fact that they're driving away every person in their life with all of their weird behavior online. But that's not for this week week for this week just like in a horror movie people want to be scared at this church they want to hate things they're bad so i'll give them something bad to hate and y'all come back next week and be sure to hit the bookstore in the narthex that is why christians spend so much time commenting on popular culture it always comes back to the narthex there's just no getting around that legalism in the narthex is my favorite presbyterian mystery novel it is not very good, um, but that, that's all excellent stuff. And I think Jed really got all over some motivations there. Glenn, where would you take us from there? Well, let's start here. Um, what if we just told all church folk everywhere, you cannot comment on pop culture in any way. That's just, you're not allowed to do it. Uh, do you have anything else nope. to say? <laughs> because... Uh, uh, first of all, that's bad uh, that that you don't have, uh, like we were talking about in the previous question, things that set people free, free and give them that cathartic right. kind of experience and uh, allows them to have a breakthrough. That's, that would be really interesting, and people would really like that, and it would be very powerful. Um, by contrast, no one actually cares about your opinion. Hello. Uh, like at all, not not because y- you are you and doing all the manipulative things that Jeb was talking about, although that certainly is a factor. Uh, most people don't care about most people's opinions. Period. That's true. I I've been I've been uh, interviewed, uh, you know, on uh, you know like a news things, and they've asked my opinion. They clearly didn't care, and I don't think anybody reading it cared. I mean. <laughs> I don't even know what the point is for having all these opinions and putting them out there. Like Glenn, uh, when people see a group photo, do they look at the other people to see if those people's smiles look acceptable? Yeah, nope. I mean, it doesn't look. You know, uh, no, nobody cares what you say about pop culture. It just doesn't. It doesn't matter. Now, you know, there there are people who don't like something, and if you don't like it, it might give them some odd sense of validation. Uh, and then they will tell you that you're really smart. So you think, wow, people are really getting excited about my opinions. That's, that's not them getting excited about anything pertaining to you. That's, I have a, 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 a dumb opinion and somebody validated it and that felt great. So that's not, this is a dumb thing to do. And so let's not do that. Uh, also, can can we also point out this, that culture is momentary. Um, it evolves, it changes, it is different. 
It's going to, there is no such thing as a metrosexual as we covered in the the emergency segment. So you have this mentality of wanting to comment on something that's already on its way to becoming something else. I don't understand the, the thought on that when God is giving you stuff to preach on and talk about and, and, and uncover to people that is eternal and unchanging. Uh, that's got to be more important. That has to be, uh, uh, if, if you want to say, I, I want to make a huge difference in this world, so I'm going to comment on some passing f- fashion that is going to be over very soon anyway, I, I don't think you're going to be proud about that at the end of your life, as opposed to helping people find a value in something that's eternal and that can transform their lives. I mean, I just, I don't understand why you'd pass up one thing to do the other. Uh, and also here's another thing. And I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm trying not to go to a dark place. We're all trying not to go to a dark place because we, this is one of the things we really can't stand. But here's the thing is if you want to comment on pop culture, you want to comment on, you know, like hip hop culture, if you want to comment on the culture in other countries or whatever those things are, well, that's fine. Um, but as a person who might be part of an institutional church thing, are you comfortable with people commenting on church culture? Aha! Uh-huh. Hmm. Because, dang, dude, you're not ready for the return fire. Uh, <laughs> you're, that's, that's an argument you are not going to win. You are not prepared for that. Uh, there's plenty of stuff wrong with church culture that's been, you know, we all just kind of look the other way on it and say, oh, yeah, I just we guess we're going to have to put up with that. If that's the case, I think it's time for us to to be honest and say, let's focus on the things that are eternal, not on the things that are temporary. That is another very, very good point. And Lee, I think uh, Glenn makes a, a, the many excellent points he makes on that there. One thing I'd love to get you to pick on this, is this idea of having to have a take about everything because there's an arrogance to that that some people fall into. There's just people who don't know better, kind of like Glenn described there. But then there's some people who seem to think that that's the role of someone who is Christian, yeah. be that pastor, layperson, person with a Facebook account or whatever. And that seems like a big problem. Yeah, I, I will. I, uh, that's a really good setup, dude. And I, I will say just on the back of everything Glenn just said, um, and especially him talking about catharsis earlier, the reason we spend 15 minutes on every episode making fun of Christian culture is so that we don't hit that return fire that Glenn's talking about. That's exactly yeah. why we do that. Um, and so uh, we, we got to have like, that's right. We got to have a, re- we got to have a release valve at some point here. But yeah, I think that, I think that churches and folks who have um, a voice and influence in churches very often misunderstand their role. They misunderstand their roles in people's lives. Um, Let me say this from the top. An individual person's relationship with Jesus is the most important and critical and deepest thing about them. That's period, point blank, the end. That's true. Um, Someone's relationship with Jesus, that, that is a critical, deep, and important part of who this person is. But their church affiliation, their Christian cultural markers, those things could not be less important. Those things mean zero. They mean nothing. But what happens for folks who are in churches, pastors and leaders and elders and 
and Bible study leaders and small group leaders and stuff like that is that they mix the the paint on those things that somebody's relationship with Jesus is somehow mixed up with their church affiliation or with their Christian cultural markers and so uh they see the whole thing as one thing so that um the churchy stuff winds up being the most important part of their life well now if you're if if all your church stuff is on the same level as your relationship with Jesus is it in importance and in the critical nature of what matters in your life well now i as your small group leader and as your bible study leader or as your pastor or elder I've got to have an opinion on basically every part of your life now, Glenn. Like I have to tell you how to dress and how to think and what music to listen to and what and who to vote for and and how to and how to eat your eggs in the like like everything. Now because yeah. if your church cultural life is as important as your relationship with Jesus, well that's the most critical thing going. And I I as a as an authority in that realm of your life, I now have to speak to everything. This is a misunderstanding of role. That's the, that's the key issue here. So I'll say this as a pastor. As a pastor, somebody in my congregation needs to talk to me about their life, their struggles, their problems. Nothing could be more important than that conversation. We're going we're gonna to dig deep on that. I'm going to listen. I'm going to pray about that. We're going to do some work. Um, the problem is, when I, as a pastor, look at their like attendance on churchy things or their involvement on churchy things, and I put that at the same level as their relationship with Jesus, their attendance and their involvement and all that kind of stuff, that's none of my business. But what happens with churchy people is they mix all of it together. So now it's all one glob. And so now I, as an authority in that realm, I now have to have an opinion. I have to weigh in on everything that's happening in the world. I have to weigh in on how we feel about dancing with the stars and how we feel about yoga and how we feel about Whole30. Uh, how, what, what do we feel about our teenage kids uh, playing video games or our uh, 40-something-year-old uh, you know, uh, people downloading Candy Crush? This is none of my business. My role as a pastor, I want to help you walk through the most important thing in your life, but the rest of it is literally, literally none of my business. <laughs> and that's the problem is that, is that pastors and small group leaders and stuff like that, they, they mix up the role. Um, we take something that is critical and important, and we mix it up with something that really could not be less important. It's a very tenuous connection. If somebody comes to our church, well, then they're a part of our church family and stuff like that. That's all real, and that's all good, and that's all important. But our churchy stuff is not as critical as their walk with the Lord. And when we mix that up, then we confuse the role. When we confuse the role, then we think that we have to be a voice on every little thing in everybody's lives, when the majority of people's lives is absolutely none of our business. That is all really, really excellent stuff there. I agree with everything all these guys have given you. A couple of small things attacking the end here. As these guys are pointing out, um, a lot of the pop culture stuff in Christian circles, and there's a few levels on this that we should specify. These guys did a great job covering a lot of the 
kind of stuff from a pastoral level that you might hear from someone on Sunday morning. There's a lot of overlap there with the kind of Christian media level. So, you know, you might get a relevant magazine or the Gospel Coalition or Christianity Today or whatever. Or And then there's down to just kind of an individual person with a Facebook account. And the, the big overlap to me, and they all feed on each other, is this idea that Christianity and my Christianity and our church and all that stuff can only be defined against an enemy. Yep. We have to yeah. have something that is trying to destroy us, and we're going to destroy it. And to and the big thing on that is because to Lee's point, if life is kind of a ongoing start and stop struggle against my own internal problems, and there's a lot of messiness and progress is spotty, but it happens. That's kind of hard to rally people yeah. around. If there are people out there who are trying to brainwash your children, then that <laughs> we can we can get fired up about that. But the funny thing about that is, in about the the kind of mid eighties, uh, at least in America, and having a lot of the Western world as well, um, the Christian group saw themselves gaining power in a lot of areas. So now, nominally, you know, Christian right wing whatever runs a lot of state governments and maybe the president leans that way, but we still got all these problems. And I, as the person in the pew may not feel like I'm winning that much. So where can we point all that horrible animus? Why at those Holly weird folks and the music industry folks who are trying to corrupt us all? Cause that's the thing a, that you don't have uh, control over. It's something you, you, a lot of American Christians anyway, perceive as antithetical to their interests and, you know, liberal Hollywood and all that, even though Hollywood's just a big industry town, you have a giant cross section of people, but it becomes very easy to motivate people against an enemy. And one of the things you have to have in a good enemy is they have to be nefarious and very powerful. So that you have to always be on guard against them. So Matt, no can thing. I let my guard down even for a second? Not even for a second, Jed. That's when all wow. the bad things happen. <laughs> when did you get in here? When you let your guard down, even for a second. <laughs> but the idea of that is um, because in that framework, there's no such thing as just a song or just a movie or just something you don't like, as we talked about when we talked about the... Uh, the uh, the Cardi B Megan the Stallion song. There's no such thing as something you don't like because everything's trying to destroy you, and that leads to uh. Well, you've been on Facebook. I don't have to tell you what it leads to, but we're living through it. It leads to a certain amount of madness. There's also a big distraction element you want to look at, and whenever someone's trying to give you a distraction, a good question would be, "What are you distracting me from, and why shouldn't I be focusing on that?" Always a good question. We're going to jump to our final question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, A close friend of mine is from a Buddhist family, and we got to talking about religion. And he said that we both believe mostly the same thing, so why not just deal with the fact that there's a whole lot of overlap in our beliefs, and that's probably where the truth is. I have to admit, it sounded nice in the moment, but I'm just not sure that's how you discover what is true by a sort of overlap of opinion. A, a very cool question. I think there's a lot of... Uh, neat stuff going on there. And Glenn, where would we start it off? Well, I'll tell you what I really, really like here. And, and I think it is a good place to start is this idea of removing labels. I like that idea a lot. Um, I think labels are meant to give a sort of a comfort about things. 
Um, you know, the, if I call myself this thing and you call yourself the same thing, then we're like on the same page and we agree and I'm not by myself and I'm just a weirdo. Um, that's A, that's not important. <laughs> B, that is um, a false sense of comfort because everybody's different. Everybody's on something different. So um, in the end, those labels not only don't give us comfort or, or they're only giving us false comfort, they also end up excluding people and saying, well, I'm on this team, you're on that team, and I'm right, and you're not on the team, so therefore you're wrong. I don't like any of that. I really don't. I, I, I you know, so, so I agree with sort of the, the sentiment behind this, which is let's just take the labels away. Uh, and I think you are right. You are making a good point that we, we aren't having the most um, correct theology when we sort of pile on all of the overlaps or the Venn diagram of all the world's religions because it, it just kind of doesn't work that way. I think if you did that, you would really come up with one name, and that would be Jesus. And so, you know, therefore, there's, there's, you know, it might be important to look at his life and what that means, and and have that as a starting place or something. But you're absolutely right. You don't really arrive at the truth by sort of a consensus of opinion. It doesn't quite work that way. But here's the thing is I, I don't think there's anything wrong with these areas of overlap. I, I don't think that, the, that that's leading us to an untruth. But I think the mentality I want to give to you, and, and you, you rarely hear me talk about theology because, A, I'm very bored by it, and B, the only people who want to talk about it don't want to actually help people in real life. So <laughs> I don't want to be one of those. So, you know, I just don't want to talk theology. If you, if you ask me for a grand theory of all theology everywhere, it would be this, that, that bad theology is when you're filling in the gaps. So um, you learn a few—well, let's do the classic example. It's, the, it's the, um, the five blind men and the elephant. You know, one guy picks up an elephant's trunk and says a, a, an elephant is like a, a hose— Another one picks up the elephant's tail and says an elephant is like a rope. Another grabs the elephant's ear and says he's like a giant leaf. Another one grabs his leg and thinks he's a giant tree. Another one touches his side and he's like he's a big wall. So the story about that is they're all wrong, but they're all right. They're correct in their one little part, but they're wrong in the sense that they're only understanding, they're only seeing part, like a dim reflection as if in a mirror. Uh, they're, they're only seeing a portion of the truth. But the part where it all goes wrong is when they're taking that part and then they're filling in the gaps of the things they don't know. Uh, they're, they're all wrong because they're, they're all just dealing with one thing and saying, I, I believe that the rest of this thing is like the thing that <laughs> I am able to detect. Uh, good theology is about having humility to say, I don't understand it all. I don't know yeah. it all. Uh, it's about saying, 
I've learned a few things, and I know those things to be true, but I want to be very, very, very careful about filling in the gaps and making assumptions and saying, I think God agrees with my politics. I think God agrees with my views on uh, world events, or like we were just talking about pop culture and all those kinds of things. There's a lot of filling in the gaps, making assumptions, sort of extrapolating in ways I think it can be very dangerous. So I, I would start us off there of constantly looking at how much filling in the gaps are there in our lack of knowledge and making assumptions, because I, I think that's where bad theology comes from. I think that's a really, really great point. Lee, where do we take it from there? Well, I, I, I like uh, what Glenn's talking about uh, on this topic of humility. I think that's a really good uh, thing to think about in any kinds of conversations. Um, uh, one thing that I definitely have seen kind of both sides of in my own life and my own conversations with people outside the faith is, um, being the person who's right all the time, um, with a disregard of compassion or empathy or listening, that's never won anybody over. And that needs to be one of the things that we kind of put a pin in right here is, um, the idea that if you're the person that's most right, then you are going to win hearts. Uh, nothing could be less true than that. Um, so I love this. I, I, I love this emphasis on humility. I also think it's really, it's a really good skill. And, and this is, this means like outside of the the topic of like talking to somebody outside the faith, just it's a really good skill just in so many places of your life to be able to find common ground with somebody who's different than you, someone who thinks vastly different things from you. Um, and if you are talking to somebody about spiritual things, it's like next level bonus kind of ninjutsu to be able to, um, to be able to encourage somebody on their journey by finding common ground with them. I mean, we all can agree in pretty much any kind of religious system or whatever that, that, uh, you know, treating others the way that you want to be treated, that that is a truth. That's a, that is an absolute truth that you're going to find in basically kind of any system of belief. Now we do get down to some kind of, to like, to some issues of like, so what about the places where we differ? Buddhism has a very specific sort of, uh, system to it. It has some very specific kind of leanings, but whether it's Buddhism or some other system, really the, the heart of it comes down to this, which is there are like with Christianity, there are critical truths. And then there are kind of, kind of tertiary truths, like treat others the way that you want to be treated. That's a tertiary truth. That's a, it is absolutely true. It's extremely important, but it doesn't get down to the core of the thing that makes what we believe and makes our good news different than, than other systems. The heart of this is, what am I going to do about my own personal sin? Um, and, and what does it mean that God himself would give his own life for me um, to take my place and to freely offer me everything I could not earn on my own? Um, there are going to be some, some points at which our good news is going to differ with the way that people see kind of personal wrong, personal sin, and freedom and grace. There's a lot of beauty in there. Um, I think helping somebody along on their journey by finding common ground, that's, that is amazing. That's high level, extremely important skill level stuff. 
um, agreeing about kind of tertiary truths, things that are true, that, that where we can find some common ground, that's also really important. Having the humility to be kind of the way that Glenn was saying, like, I don't understand everything, but the things that I've come to understand are kind of shaped like this, and this is what this has meant in my life. I think you are much more likely to get a listening ear when you come at it from that angle rather than, you know, uh, if you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? You know, like <laughs> these kinds of things where you're setting up some kind of binary system where somebody's kind of set up to fail so that you can tell them this is where you fail to understand the way this all works. Um, we are going to have some critical differences, especially when it comes to kind of personal sin and stuff like that. But being able to come in with humility, being able to find common ground, I think is going to keep those conversations going. I think there's a whole lot more that we could dig into. If we, and in some ways, I feel like we could do a whole episode on this on this question because there's so much that you could kind of trail out of like, what should this relationship look like over a period of like five years? Um, we haven't even talked about like, hey, you know, uh, why don't we just talk about making brownies for my Buddhist friend? Why don't we just talk about playing cards together over the over a period of a few years? Why don't we just pray? I mean, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of long game and service and meeting someone's physical needs and prayer and stuff like that that we could get into with this um, that go along with your question. I'm not saying your question is not important, but I'm also saying there's a whole lot that we can add to it when we look at just kind of the humility of like, I don't know what I'm doing half the time on these kinds of outreach relationships, and I want to come into it with a lot of humility, a lot of patience, and a lot of long game thinking. That's a really, really good point. And actually, Jed, that's right where I'd like you to pick us up, because I think Glenn and Lee did a great job of getting over the, getting all over the idea of the truth aspect of this. And there, there's certainly very important. There is, as Lee is pointing us to here, there's also a thing going on in this conversation that is, this is an interpersonal relationship. Yeah. This is a friendship. And another important skill is, is kind of reading what people are saying or giving you an opportunity to say when they say something like this, right? It's absolutely true. Um, it's a great question. We're so glad that you wrote in. I think that we need to try and take a second and look at your experience through the eyes of your friend for a second. Um, it's right now, if someone says that they're a Christian, um, the implication is that they are a hateful, small-minded bigot. Um, and that's rough, dude. Um, the, the implication right now, at least in the U.S., is that they are uh, complicit in and supportive of a political evil, for, for lack of a better word. And so I wonder if part of what your friend is trying to get at in this is simply asking, are you on that stuff? Like, is your friend giving you an easy out in terms of saying, hey, here are good things that I believe in? Like, oh, I don't know. I believe you should love other people, kind of, you know, regardless of differences. You probably believe that too, don't you? I'm sure you do because you seem like yeah. a reasonable person. You, you believe that too, right? And I think that, again, I don't know that's the case. I don't know you. I don't know your friend and I wasn't there. But I have a lot of conversations with people who aren't Christian um, um, and a lot of conversations with people who are completely outside of Christian culture. And man, um, right now, the, the term Christian is a really, really loaded term. 
Um, and um, for all of, certainly for all of us on this podcast, I think for a lot of folks who listen to this podcast, it's easy to feel like, well, look, you know, all that stuff, that's not Christianity. That's not what this is about. And so, like, real Christianity is about, you know, serving the poor and helping people in need and whatnot. And I think it's important to recognize that for a heck of a lot of people outside of the faith, dude, Christianity is the awful stuff you see on the news. Christianity equals hating gay people. Christianity equals being mean-spirited. Christianity equals saying that the sick and infirm should just die so we can reopen the economy. And you would need to forgive people who aren't Christian for being a yeah. little cautious about yes, um, Amen. what you might be on, what with you going to church and all. And so in any kind of relational ministry, we, we always want to, as you've heard on the show many times, we want to earn the right to be heard. We want to build credibility. We, we want to make it clear the kind of person that we are. At this point in the year of our Lord 2020, I think one of the things that you need to add to that list is making it clear the kind of person you're not. Um, and I think, I don't know, but I suspect that that's a big part of what your friend is getting at, is giving you an opportunity to be clear about the things that you are not into. Um, I, I have a suspicion that that's what they're, what they're bringing up. And it may be important for you to think through and pray through the stuff that you're not into. Um, I, I think one of the, the things that's going on in the church right now is that um, we have put up with a lot of nonsense for a long time that we turned a blind eye to, just like Glenn um, talked about, I believe, in the first question on this episode, where we say, well, you know, I mean, I kind of know what they mean. It's not really like that, but golly gee, but I don't know, you know, it's uh, I don't want to start a fight and Deacon so-and-so is going to be a weirdo about it. So I just, you know, I don't even know. But I, I think for a lot of us, there's some stuff like, for example, letting the sick and infirmed die so we can reopen the economy that is obviously wrong and unacceptable. But I think that there are a lot of other things that um, it's easy to have categorized, particularly if you grew up in the church, and then, well, I don't know, I guess, and besides and so forth, that it may be time to take a real look at and figure out where you stand. Uh, because people outside of the faith are going to want to know where you stand on those things. Um, and um, if you are on the wrong side of them, they are really not going to be interested in hearing your views on spirituality or adopting your views on spirituality. So I think now would be a good time to take a look at what do you believe and support? What do you not believe and don't support? And that falls under the biblical um, idea of always be ready to give to everyone uh, the reason for the hope that you have. Being able to break down to other people, here's what I'm on, here's what I'm not on. And again, I suspect that that was part of what your friend was going for, was giving you a way to define the things that you are not on and not in favor of. That's excellent. That's all over that. I love everything Jed gave us there. The one thing I would add to this is, um, it's it jobs with all these guys have told you, um, people really don't like being projects. Yeah. yeah. And no Christian is good at hiding when they're, uh, trying to steer someone towards a, do you want to accept Jesus into your heart conversation? So if you're hanging out with this person and you've talked religion and the place they landed, cause you really do have to let other people drive that process outside of their certain, as we always talk on the show, certain situations where it's the words giving you a pretty clear word, but as we always say, you know, that's the kind of thing for four of us to do this professionally. Someone who's pretty clear, 
I'm done talking religion. I think we want to leave this for now. It, there's some overlap and we're cool. I think I can safely speak to the other guys saying, I'd pretty much have to hear the audible voice of the Lord <laughs> to land it, push that harder right now. Um, so be a friend to a person. That's really where this starts. It's great to have that in your mind and conversations. And uh, when we describe openings and serving people, we're talking about doing that because that's the right thing to do. That's what Jesus wants you how Jesus wants you to treat people. That's not so you get, you know, the conversion card, but that also happens to dovetail and it really does bring us back to the first question with a lot more fun and a lot more joy, both for you and your friend. And it also happens to be the best chance of your friend giving uh, your faith a look. So that's a win-win on a bunch, a bunch of fronts there. All right. If you have a question for us, say at podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago.tumblr.com, or you can scroll down into your episode description and click the links you find there. We're gonna, it's been a little while since we've taken you out with some good, solid hip hop. So this is a song from our friends in the Deacons Division. Very cool yeah. version of Be Thou My Vision. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast reminding you of the words of John Calvin. Our Lord is not accepting of twerking unless it is done decent and in order. Yes. <laughs> Super size, but the love he be a hundred through the spirit and his words. So you know I stand my ground in the